God, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We don't have many spaces in life where we can kind of get away from all the distractions and the busyness and the expectations and just seek you. And that's what we're doing this morning. We don't need me. We don't need more of ourselves. We're just looking for what you have for us. And so here we are just asking you to do your thing, to move in our hearts, to be God of our lives. And we invite that this morning. Would you just help us to understand your word and the significance of what we kind of are looking at this morning? Help your word to sink past our ears, deep into our hearts so that we could know you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are um, jumping into a message that's traditionally like a Palm Sunday message. And I don't know what kind of church background you come from. Um, We don't have palms for you this morning. And uh, I, I ordered them. And by ordering them, I mean, I looked at them online and then thought, <laughs> nah. <laughs> so uh, if you want palms, I don't know what to tell you. Find somebody with a palm tree and steal a couple branches. I don't if you can do that without killing their tree or breaking and entering. I don't know. Uh, but we are For those of you that may be disappointed in that, maybe you'll be excited to know that we are going to jump into a message about what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, otherwise known as the triumphal entry. And out of four accounts in the Gospels, we are going to hit three of them. We're going to start in the book of John, and we'll talk about uh, Luke a little bit and Matthew. And each one of the Gospel writers, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a focus on little different parts. Somebody maybe maybe wondering like why are there different, why are there different uh, kind of like focuses in each of these stories? It's because when God uses our personality and our temperament and who you are and how He designed you, and you will see things that I won't see, and you'll communicate things differently than I will communicate. And through all of these different accounts, while these authors focus a little bit differently on things, the message is the same, and it's important, and it's all pointing to who Jesus is. And I want to talk to you today about your tipping point, or the tipping point. Do you know what a tipping point is? A tipping point is like one of these things that happen in life, a moment or a change or an event that happens in life. Maybe it's been building up for a while, little thing after little thing after little thing, but you hit this moment that there is no going back from. Everything kind of changes. There's no hitting rewind. There's no hitting the back button. There's no reversing on Xbox to get out of the situation you were in. Like a tipping point is that moment. It can be a small moment. It can be a big moment where everything in your situation just changes forever to be different. Sometimes... Uh, well, you, well, you know tipping points in life. You may not have acknowledged them. When we talk about tipping points, what 
we're mostly, it's mostly sociologists talking about tipping points and um, how our ideas and social kind of things spread like viruses and epidemics sometime. And people will often talk about the tipping point, the thing that happened that changed everything forever, the tone that was interjected that changed everything forever. But you've, you may not be a sociologist, but you've experienced tipping points, maybe in a relationship. Like things had been going in a direction, little by little by little. And then all of a sudden, there was a moment that you knew there's no going back from this. Everything changed. Maybe you've experienced a a tipping point in another area of your life, uh, maybe in your career or your social life or some other aspect of who you are, a moment where things had been building and kind of going in a direction for a little while and then all of a sudden that one thing happened, that one conversation, that one moment, that one experience that forever changed the direction of your life. We also know what it's like to not experience a tipping point. To have our lives be going in a direction little step after little step after little step, 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 after little step. I had a nitro coffee from Starbucks this morning. So it's a little wound up. And never really having that moment that changed everything. It's frustrating. Like that's why some of you are like, why do I keep having the same conversation over and over and over again with my spouse? We seem to never get anywhere. Some of you are frustrated at work because you've, you've been going in a direction little by little by little, but there's never been that moment where somebody or you have had that opportunity to kind of like take it to the next level to, to really experience the change that you desire. When we go through these kind of moments, we don't experience what we hope for, what we anticipate never becomes our reality, and it can be really frustrating. And what I want to suggest to you today is that maybe your spiritual journey has been this one where you have been going in a direction and step by step and little by little, and you've been making some changes or some decisions, and maybe the results of those decisions have even been good. Maybe you've experienced some little changes in your life since you decided to go back, come back to church or come back to God or all of that stuff. But, but something still seems like it's missing. The real change that you're hoping for, it just never seems to land. You just don't really feel like your life is changing or getting better. You've been frustrated. Your hope has not become an experience What you anticipate has not become your reality. Has your spiritual journey felt like that? In many ways, what we're talking about today, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, is the tipping point in God's redemptive story for us. It's not the tipping point of a story that started in Matthew or with Jesus' birth at Christmas. It's, it's a tipping point of the story of God's redemption that has been building since Genesis 1, chapter 1. God's plan to offer hope and a new way back to him for people he loved, this is the tipping point. We often look to the cross 
as a major climactic event in the story of Jesus, and it is, and it is so important. And sometimes we can overlook the importance of what Jesus did on what we celebrate this day with palms or without palms. <laughs> and in many ways, this is the tipping point. And the other thing that we have to know that I don't want you to miss is that Jesus is the tipping point for you. Now, I need to clarify for a second. I'm so glad that you came to church today because church without you is awkward. <laughs> Ask Scott when he's the only one here and I'm up here preaching. It's just weird. <laughs> Nobody should be subjected to that. <laughs> I'm glad you came to church today because I think that the church is a body of believers that God gives us for our benefit and you're never supposed to walk through life alone and this wasn't, the burdens that you have to carry in life, you weren't supposed to carry alone. You, you, you weren't supposed to figure it all out alone. The, he, get, he gives us the church as a body of believers to help us on our journey to experience the fullness of who he is and the fullness of what he wants to do in our lives. I'm glad you came to church, but church is not the tipping point for you. There's been plenty of people who have come to church hoping that just attending would be the tipping point. They come because their lives maybe are falling apart or they're going through some sort of like social struggle or a relationship is hitting the rocks and they decide, I just need it to change. I'm going to go to church. And while I'm glad you're here, I need you to understand that church is not designed to be your spiritual tipping point. An emotional experience isn't designed to be your tipping point. I love when, you know, the team up here, they do a phenomenal job. They give you like, I don't know, Southern Baptists like call it the glory bumps. You know what the glory bumps are? You like get the little like tingle in your spine and little goosebumps start popping up on your forearms because you're just feeling the song and, you know, like... Dudes, you got like little tears welling up in your eyes, but you don't, you don't even sing, but you can't show anybody because, you know, you got to like still be tough at church and like when you feel it and it's emotional and wow, it's exciting and, and maybe you're coming here because like the music is really good and it's different than your church experience and it's not as boring, hopefully, as like what you, what you maybe kind of have in your past. But an emotional experience is not the tipping point for your soul for your life. Having an accumulation of knowledge and intellect and learning all that you can learn and memorizing all that you can remember is not the tipping point for your life. Being religious is not the tipping point for your life. People walk away from those kind of things all the time. I have walked away. I could walk away from those things all the time because inspiration fades. But what I can never walk away from is who this Jesus is. And we hear stories of lots of people walking away from church and maybe that's part of your story. And this is an adventure and exploring if maybe there's something real there. Welcome, I'm so glad you're here. This place is full of people that have been through what you've been through or maybe even are going through what you're going through. But it is so important 
to realize that, that while people can walk away from the church, people walk away from emotional experiences, people can walk away from knowledge and intellect and learning, but you know what I don't hear in those I've walked away stories? A whole lot of talk about Jesus. It's because Jesus is the tipping point for your soul. The Palm Sunday story, it's all about the 10th day of Nisan. That is not a car commercial <laughs> for Nissans. It's a month in the Jewish calendar that correlates well with our month of April, which is why we celebrate Easter, Holy Week, whatever you call it, this week coming up. It's the 10th day of Nisan is the day where Jesus enters into Jerusalem as king. We call it the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, all of these different things. And it's so, such an important tipping point in the story. I just want us to take a look at what's going on here and the contrast that Jesus is presenting to the world. In John chapter 21, I just want to start there. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent, this is chapter 21, if you want to follow along on your phone or whatever. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, nope, that's Matthew chapter 21. That's where we're going to go later. And uh, I can't handle my caffeine. The next day, the great crowd, chapter 12 of John and verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, save us, save us now. That means such a beautiful thing that they cried, even if they didn't understand the complete picture of what they were saying. It was still a very beautiful thing that they cried out here. Save us, save us now. Blessed is the one who, wow, it's a hot mic right there. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey, and we get more of that story in Matthew, which we'll look at a little bit later, and sat on it as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. That is a, a passage that's quoted here from Zechariah chapter 9, written 500 years before this 10th of Nisan. At first, the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many be people, because they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. You have Jesus in this triumphal entry Crowds of people gathered around him, the disciples, which give me great encouragement because if they didn't get it, then I should be a little more gracious to myself when I just don't get it and things just don't make sense to me because I'm, I'm in good company with the disciples here. You have two large crowds. One of the crowds is from Bethany. It's from the area where Lazarus was raised from dead and no doubt when Jesus had sent for the donkey and sent his disciples, word had probably spread Quickly, I mean, these people had just experienced 
um, the miraculous, the, the, the most unimaginable, beautiful miracle that you could ever think of. These people had known Jesus. He had ministered a lot in their area. You have this crowd that showed up on Palm Sunday, probably the crew saying Hosanna and following Jesus with a lot of anticipation and expectation on this day. People that kind of knew his story and what he had been doing. Then you have the religious crowd here who's being really critical and looking for a way to shut down this, uh, this Jesus who's spreading this message. And the contrast should not be lost about the tipping point here. Jesus is better than religion. The picture could not be clearer. You see, on the 10th day of Nisan, what was required by Jewish law, what was part of Jewish practice, the religious people of the day, on this day, the 10th day, they would pick out the lamb that they would offer as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins. During Passover, they would sacrifice that lamb as was their tradition and religion. And on this day, Jesus was coming to Jerusalem as the lamb to end all lambs. The sacrifice to end all sacrifices. The one who would usher in the new covenant, Jesus. And the contrast should not be lost. Jesus is better than religion. There's been hints this entire story of Jesus. There's been little hints. Like, have you noticed if you've read about Jesus, it's, it's so exciting to see like he hung out with people just like us. He hung out with the people who were a mess. He had dinner, which in their day and age, lunch in their day and age was not like we do it on the road or in the car. It was a sign of friendship to share a meal with somebody. You, you, were, you were enjoying their relationship. Jesus has been accused of being a drunkard because he hung out with drunkards. Accused of being a sinner because he hung out with sinners. Like there's been little hints all along. that The people that got upset with him and his teachings were the religious people. And it says in Mark chapter 12 that the common folk took great delight in hearing his words or his Message. I think that's in the end of Mark chapter 12. It's such an incredible contrast. Like we've been getting the little steps and the little steps and the little steps in a different direction saying like this Jesus is different than religion. This Jesus is different than the religious leaders. When he had harsh things to say, it was at the religious leaders of his days, the Pharisees. We've been getting little hints Little hints as the religious people get angry at him. And by the way, religious people still get angry about the good news and the grace of God in Jesus. The contrast is clear. Jesus is better than your religious structure. Religion is about the outward. Jesus is concerned with your heart. Religion is about the show, the filters, how we look and what we do and how all that stuff stacks up with everybody else. And if we're good enough and we're better than enough people, then we'll punch our ticket to heaven and everything will be okay. We just gotta have the good outweigh the bad and work ourselves to a part point where we can be acceptable by God and get this incredible gift from him. You see, religion is about the outward. 
And Jesus is about your heart. Religion is about putting up barriers. We draw lines in the sand and we use those lines to say who's in and who's out and who qualifies and who doesn't qualify. And Jesus stepped onto the scene and just started tearing all of these barriers, constructs of our religion down. Jesus is about what you can do. Religion is about what you can't do. I was listening to this preacher in preparation for this. His name's Skip. He's from Calvary Church in Canada. Skip's Hertzrig. I just totally butchered his last name, but I can get it to you later if you want it. And he was, he was talking about this, and he said, you know, there's this old saying that somebody once told him, and it goes like this. I don't drink, and I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how to translate that into Schuylkill County language. The best I got, right, is like, I don't drink and I don't chew, and sometimes I go out with girls who do. So, <laughs> that was the closest I could get. Religion is about what you can't do, and people always, they, I, I don't know how word got out, but word got out that I'm a pastor, like it's out there, people kind of know it, and, and I'll have friends and people come up to me and they'll be like, oh man, sorry, like I don't want to. I don't really do this. I don't really sound like, I don't really don't curse this much. I really don't do this thing. And they try to like clean it up around me. And I want to be like, I don't care. I don't care what you don't do. I don't. Like, I don't, we get so good at constructing these lists of things that we don't do or do do. <laughs> I was, in preparation, in my defense, I said that in my head and I said, whatever you do, do not say it like that in the message. Do not say doo-doo. It's a whole new low, Josh. Just get out of it. But of course, you know, like you do what you don't want to do. And, uh, Jesus is more about what he gives you and what you can do through him the new life that he gives you, the new heart how he gives you. Eventually, the outward stuff changes, but it changes from the inward out. Jesus is better than religion. And maybe you've been playing religion and wondering why it just doesn't really work for you. You might even think that there's something wrong with you because religion doesn't work for you. Can I just call like out of bounds on that? Religion is about what we try to do to make our way to God. Jesus is about what God has done to get to us. Maybe you grew up playing church and religion. No wonder it's felt empty. No wonder it sounded lame. No wonder it's been boring for you. No wonder you don't feel like you're good enough for God. No wonder you feel like he, he could never love you because you've just been measuring yourself by this religious practice. Religion is not the tipping point of your life. Jesus is. Jesus is better than religion. And maybe you've been anticipating change and not finding it because all the rules you have in your head have been letting you down. And maybe it's time for an encounter with Jesus. 
Jesus is also, on this day, a stark contrast with other systems that we think will free us for a better life. It's interesting to note that on this 10th day of Nisan, the Roman Empire would have a big processional through Jerusalem on the other side of town, many scholars think. There had been an uprising years ago. I forget all the details. I can find them for you if you're interested. And they had to go into this little neighboring town and squash this uprising. The Roman Empire went in. It was bloody and messy and terrible. And every day on this same day that Jesus is riding into town, a king on a donkey coming in peace, the Roman and their military procession would ride through the other, would be riding into town to show their strength and force and to say, don't ever try that garbage again. Don't do it. We'll, we shut you down before. We'll shut you down again. You don't want to get bloody. Stop messing with us. The people were whipped into a fury, crying out to Jesus, hoping for a system that would be better than the other system. They thought the Messiah would come and offer in a new political system, a new kingdom, that he would come and ride into town and overthrow the Roman oppressors and empire and cast them up, set up his kingdom right there in Jerusalem, and the people would be free from their political and physical oppression. Before I get too hard on them, I realize that I am constantly doing that too. I'm trying to find a system that is just as broken, but slightly better than the bad system I seem to be stuck in. We want a new political system to deal with our life circumstances and make them a little bit better. We want a new guru to give us some new information or some new direction, something new and inspiring to help improve my life, but we keep looking for broken systems to replace broken systems and somehow lead us somewhere better. Jesus is better than any system that you can come up with or try to better your life. He didn't come just to replace a broken system. He came to free their souls. He didn't come to mend the broken politics. He came to mend their broken hearts. He's not showing up to you just to make your life a little bit cooler or a little bit better, a little bit more fun, a little less guilt for the next couple years. He came to meet your greatest and deepest needs and to give you a greater hope than you could ever find from some system set up by people. If you're looking for hope and change from just another system, you can find something that'll feel better for a little while but in the end, it'll be just as empty as every other broken system. Thank God Jesus is better than anything we can come up with to try to fix our own life and circumstances. Jesus is better than religion. Jesus is better 
than any other system. And Jesus is the moment not to miss. In Luke, we get this, Luke kind of captures um, more of what Jesus was kind of saying in this moment. His focus is really on Jesus as he tells the same story. And at the end of this same account in Luke chapter 19 and verse 39, it says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, you pride, if they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out, which is a whole nother sermon for a whole nother time. I tell you, he replied, or uh, as, as he approached Jerusalem, it says in verse 41, he saw the city and he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. He would go on to prophesy that every stone would be upturned and that Jerusalem would be crushed, and that prophecy would become true at 70 AD when the Roman Empire would destroy the city and leave no rock unturned. His heart here though, for the people of Jerusalem, knowing the pain that they endured and would have to walk through, was that they wouldn't miss the moment of his visitation. They had missed it. Sometimes we can miss it too. It wasn't like God was keeping secrets from them or playing hide and seek. And he's not playing hide and seek from you either. He's not creating, he's, he doesn't have some secret that you have to like, figure out all the puzzle pieces and put it all together in some big complex thing and then maybe if you're lucky, you'll figure it out. In Deuteronomy 30, he says to his people, I put before you life and death, please choose life. It's not, it's not something out there that you have to go into the sky and figure out, sail across an ocean to figure out. It's right here and written on your hearts Choose me and choose life. It's not some big secret that he was keeping from the Jerusalem people. In Zechariah 9, verse 9, it said, Here comes your king on a donkey, gentle. In Daniel chapter 9, it gives the exact timetable of his return to Jerusalem and eventual death. It's, it's, it's talking about time in Daniel China, number 483 years from the time Artaxerxes told Nehemiah to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, the Messiah would come and eventually be cut off. This was no secret. God was not hiding and he has not been hiding from you. It is a reality that we might be missing all the little ways he has been speaking to us and leading us to this moment where we are face to face with who Jesus truly is and have a choice on if we will follow him or not. One of my favorite verses is found in the book of Acts and um, it says this in, in the book of Acts, chapter 17 and verse 26 and 27. He marked out, talking about God and us, he marked out their appointed times in history 
and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Maybe this is your moment. God has been leading you. You've been catching little glimpses and little things that have been kind of building in a certain direction. Maybe it's been building in a certain direction for a long time and during that time you have become really good at playing church and doing religion. But somehow it still feels like something is missing. It's because this Jesus is God who came to earth for us, took on humanity's flesh so that he could enter Jerusalem on this day we celebrate a king who comes in peace to offer you the peace your soul desperately needs. He would pay for it on a cross and he would seal our hope through an empty tomb, all the beautiful and amazing things that we celebrate this week. But don't miss Jesus here in front of you offering you everything. He would ride that donkey in and he had orchestrated his own entry into Jerusalem. In Matthew account, we get the story about how he sent his disciples to go get this donkey that he would ride in. And here we have this incredible picture of the Messiah of the world, a new king different from any other king, riding a donkey and bringing peace and redemption to our souls He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. In talking with one of the religious leaders who was open enough to seek out who Jesus was, his name was Nicodemus, in John chapter three, he says to him in 14 of that chapter, so the Son of Man may be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. It's not something you have to work for. It's not something you have to prove yourself to be able to experience. It's not something you have to just hope that maybe at the end of your life, the good outweighs the bad enough that you get to walk through the pearly gates. It's a free gift of salvation. It's forgiveness and a new heart and eternity hereafter. And in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I just wanna pray here, if you would, if you would pray with me. Before I pray to kind of close this service, I'd like to just give you a moment to reflect. Maybe I wouldn't have to if we didn't live lives that were like raced through at breakneck speed. But when's the last time you just sat and reflected on the state of your soul? See, I'm not interested in having some cool hip religion. 
not interested in just attending church or doing all the right things and not doing any of the wrong things. I'm not interested in just uh, propping myself up and wishing and hoping that at the end of my life it'll be good enough for God. I'm done with trying to reach him on my own. I need Jesus. And maybe as you reflect on your life, your spiritual journey has been rather religious. Your focus has been on what you can do or not do to try to earn God's approval and love. It's all been about you trying to prove yourself. The crowds were gathered, right? And everybody was forced to make a choice, a free choice given to us because God loves us, a free choice about who this Jesus is. Is he a lunatic? Just crazily claimed to be God? Was he just some teacher with some Birkenstocks and a nice sounding message? Or was he God in the flesh, the Messiah, the Savior of the world? And that's a choice we all have. Who do you say this Jesus is? And as you reflect on your soul right now, I just don't want you to miss the moment. And Jesus wept as he saw a bunch of people missing the moment. I just don't want that to happen in any of our locations. I just, it's too important. I don't want you to miss it. Maybe if you've never really encountered the tipping point of your soul, this Jesus, if you've never made a faith choice about him, this is your moment. He's different, he's better, he's God. And he came to offer you freedom and healing where it matters most in your heart. He offers you forgiveness and grace and eternity in heaven, and it's free. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to prove yourself to get it. It's just a gift that you accept. Maybe this is your moment as you reflect on your life, you realize you've been playing religion. You've never really been clear on who Jesus is and what he's done and why we do all these things around church. I just wanna offer you that moment in the quietness of your heart to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you are who you say you are. That you are God on a cross, offering your blood for the forgiveness of my sins, that you have left the tomb alive so that I could have hope no one could steal from me. I'm sorry for all the ways I've missed the mark and all the sins and the brokenness that I have brought into this world in my life and I ask you to forgive me and set me free. If you confess that to them, he's right to make you new, and he will. And if that is the cry of your heart, as it says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, and the confession of your mouth, it's not you might be saved, you're kind of saved, 
you're partly saved, it's you will be saved. If that has been your prayer, I pray that you would tell somebody there's such power in speaking those words out loud and confessing a faith decision to someone else because we were never supposed to walk this journey by ourselves. God, we just want to come back to Jesus. He's the center of it all, the most important thing, the tipping point for our souls. We're just so, so thankful for this king on this donkey who would go to a cross and leave an empty tomb forever and eternity sealing our place with you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.